0: The Dead Sea, despite its morbid name, is one of the most fascinating bodies of water on the planet. You understand that the water is so dense due to the high mineral and saline content that even a non-swimmer can stay afloat. Bus tours of the area stop long enough for skeptical and adventurous tourists to take a dip. Problem is, when you come out of the water, nobody wants to sit next to you in the tour bus, Because the water reeks with an awful smell. And that's because fed by Israel's Jordan River, the Dead Sea has no outlet. All the fresh water flowing into it just sits there and it becomes stagnant. And so while it's interesting to look at, and it's fascinating to study, the water is undrinkable, it is polluted, in a word, it is putrid. I believe that that's an accurate picture of a person who lives selfishly, who's who's a taker and not a giver, one who is always receiving but never giving out. God did not create us to be a reservoir that only collects. He created us to be a river that is constantly flowing. And when we live selfishly and we're always receiving and always taking but never giving, like the Dead Sea, we will become stagnant and polluted. To put it bluntly, our lives, our lives will start to stink. We'll go around with a sour attitude. We'll be no fun to be around. We'll always be irritable and hard to get along with. As one of my teachers used to say, born in the objective case and the kickative mood. It's all because nothing is flowing out of our hearts and lives. And yes, God wants to pour good things into our lives. But if you want to live the life that God has in mind for you, then you have to learn to allow those good things to flow through you to others. And as you do that, your supply will be replenished and your life will be always blessed. I happen to believe that that's why some Christians get to the point where they're no longer, if they ever were, interested in Bible study or soul winning. And that is because they've reached their saturation point. They've received all that they can. They're holding it, but they're never giving out. And so what we need to do is to stop hoarding what God has given us and start sharing that with others. We need to share our time. We need to share our energy, our friendship, our love. And all of our resources. If God has given us joy, then we need to share that with somebody as well. We, we need to make somebody else happy. We need to cheer up another person. A, a, be a friend to someone who needs a friend. There is also something, always something in our reservoir that we're able to give in order to bless the lives of others. And if God has given you talent... And the ability to make money, that don't simply accumulate more for yourself, share those resources with others. And if that sounds biblical, it's because it is. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, of course, in chapter 4, verse 28, said, Let him who stole, steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands, working so that he may give to those who have need. Whatever you do, don't allow yourself, like the Dead Sea, to become stagnant. You need to keep the river of your life constantly flowing. And that's the spiritual principle that will help you to be truly prosperous and will also help you in your Christian walk. I'm afraid sometimes, though, we get it backward. People often say, and I've heard this said many times, I have a lot of difficulties in my life right now, and when I get out from under this mountain of problems, then I'll go out and I'll help somebody. The problem with that thinking is that it is exactly and precisely turned around. The Bible says we need to go help someone first, and then God will help you turn your situation around. Remember the fundamental principle of scripture, you must sow the seed first, and then you will reap a harvest. It is never the other way around. We can never expect to reap a harvest without having sown the appropriate seed. And if you want to be happy, then help someone else be happy. If you're having financial difficulty, then give some money to someone in need. You help the poor or sow a little extra in the contribution plate. You have to plant some seed if you're hoping for a harvest. So when you go through difficult times in your life, and you know that you will, because of the stress that, that, that those difficult times will bring, it's, it's easy to focus only on your own needs and to focus on what's wrong in your life. But if you want the best relief stress of all, then get your mind off yourself and go help somebody else. You know, something divine happens when we turn our attention away from our own personal needs and begin to focus on the needs of others. And that's because the Lord has told us over and over again that if we want to be truly great, then we've got to cultivate a servant's heart. The way up is down in the kingdom of Christ. And so if we want to be everything that God would have us to be, the first thing that we need to do is to make sure that our focus is upon other people and not on our own needs. God's power seems to be activated by unselfish gestures. That's always been true. It was true 2,000 years ago. It's still true today. When you have a problem, don't concentrate on your need. Think about the kind of seed that you can sow that will help you get out of that problem. Some first century Christians were struggling to survive in the Greek town of Corinth. The Bible says the people, this is the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, by the way, chapter 8, The Bible says there that the people were in deep poverty and in deep trouble. What did they do in time of need? That's the question. Did they complain? Did they pout? Did they bellyache to God about their circumstances? Did they say, God, why do we have so much trouble in our lives? Not at all. The Bible actually says, and this is the first two verses of chapter 8, 2 Corinthians, in the midst of their great trouble, they stayed full of joy and they gave generously to others. Notice what they did. They sowed a seed in their time of need. They knew that if they could help to meet other people's needs, then God would do his part and help meet their needs. And that's what we all need to be doing. In our times of difficulty, we need to do exactly what they did. Number one, in in order, we need to stay full of joy. Don't let the circumstances steal your joy. And that too sounds biblical. James said in chapter 1 verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various diversities or difficulties. And so the first reaction is not to all of a sudden say, why isn't God blessing me? And to be unhappy about the circumstances, count it all joy, James says. Because you know that the trying of your faith will bring about that necessary persistence and endurance that we all need. Number two, go out and plant some seed. Sow some seeds somewhere. Help someone else and you'll find that you're also helping yourself. If you've lost your job, don't sit around feeling sorry for yourself. Go out and and volunteer someplace. Sow a seed while you're waiting for that door of opportunity to open. I read about a woman who did that. She wanted to start a new business. It was a mobile pet grooming shop. She would just drive her trailer around and and she would take care and groom people's pets. Well, she thought, I can't really afford to get, trying to get my business off the ground. I can't afford to, to, to advertise the way I would like, but I really need to get out there and get my name in front of the community. And, and so I need to groom some dogs if I'm going to get my business going. And, and, and what kind of seed can I sow? How can I help others with my talents? And she decided to go down to the local animal shelter and to groom the dogs for free so that they would be more likely to be adopted. Well, she did that. And she did it week after week and month after month. And then by word of mouth, her business began to take off. Today, she has more clients than she can handle. Her business is doing so well, if you want an appointment with this particular lady, you have to make an appointment three or four months in advance. It's a biblical principle that if you will sow an extraordinary seed, you will reap an extraordinary harvest. I think that there's dynamite in these verses. And that we fail to appreciate the blessings that God has in store for His people, simply because we haven't tapped into the resource of what these passages are really telling us. Then you may say, Randy, I wish God would do that for me, and He can. But the question right now is, what seed are you putting in the ground? Let me ask you that again: What seed are you putting in the ground? If you're expecting a harvest of blessing in your life, what seed are you planting? Are you you giving God anything to work with? Paul made it clear in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 that God is the one who gives the increase. We all know that. But notice it wasn't until after Paul had planted and Apollos had watered that he then says God gave the increase. We've got to give God something to bless. We've got to put some seed in the ground. Solomon said it like this in the Old Testament. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 11, 1 and 2, by the way, if you want to check it out. He said, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. That's the Old Testament way of saying what goes around comes around. If you cast your bread upon the waters and help others, then you also are going to be helped. Those, that bread will come back to you eventually. But then he goes on to say, give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. One version of that reads, maybe to clear up the meaning a little bit, give generously, for your gifts will return to you later. Divide your gifts among many, for in the days ahead you yourself may need much help. And that's exactly right. There will come a time when the aid, the help that you have rendered to other people is exactly where you'll be. You'll need other people to help you. And if you have put some seed in the ground, if you have sowed that seed and God has blessed your efforts, there will come a time when others will bless you for what you've done. So please note that God is giving us a principle here that will cause us to have our our needs supplied during those tough times that occasionally come to all of us. But he says, give generously right now, because in the future you may need some help yourself. Paul's inspired statement in the New Testament, by the way, is very similar. And this is a passage that we've looked at many times from this pulpit, but I want us to notice it one more time, because it's very relevant to this subject. In Galatians 6-7, he says, be not deceived, God is not mocked, For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. By the way, there's two sides to that coin that he talks about in the very next verse. But I want us to appreciate the fact that Paul is telling us that in order to ever reap a harvest, we've got to plant some seed. But he also is telling us, be careful what kind of seed that you sow. Because if you sow worldly seed, then guess what? You're going to get back a worldly harvest. Sow the wind, reap the whirlwind kind of thing. But if you sow the right kind of seed, God is going to bless you for your efforts. You're going to have a harvest that is beyond imagination. That sowing and reaping principle is replete in both testaments. The problem is some folks spend their entire lives waiting for the harvest to come in when they've never put any seed in the ground, when they haven't sowed anything. One fellow said, I've just given and given, but I don't ever reap a harvest. I'm always on the giving end. It seems like I'm never on the receiving end. Well, first, we need to make sure, watch this carefully, church. We need to make sure that we are not giving with mercenary motives. We should not give to others just so that we can see what we can get back. That's selfish. That is improperly motivated. We should do the right thing because it's the right thing always. But even if we don't see anything happening right now as a result of our efforts, we don't need to get discouraged. We shouldn't quit giving. We shouldn't quit serving others. We've got to understand that we're just storing up God's goodness, and and God has promised that if we will plant bountifully, then we will reap bountifully eventually. That's our text, by the way, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. Let's read that passage one more time. It's an entirety because I think it's worth considering. Paul there says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Think about that. Rather than just sitting around and belly aching because our harvest isn't as bountiful as we think it ought to be, what we need to do is to ask ourselves, why isn't my harvest any bigger than it is? And Paul's inspired answer is abundantly clear. He says it's because we've been sowing with a little bitty measuring cup instead of with a dump truck. You see, that's the principle in Scripture. If you sow with a thimble full, that's what you're going to get back. If you sew in a cup full, you're going to get back a cup full. But if you sew with a dump truck, you're going to get back a dump truck. In fact, if you don't believe me, turn to Luke chapter 6 for just a moment, one of the greatest passages in all the Bible. You may have gotten there ahead of me because you know the passage. Luke 6, verse 38. These are the words of the Lord Himself. And here's what He said about this matter Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I hope you noticed that last statement. Again, Jesus is saying whatever it is, whatever measuring cup that you're using, in measuring out, and giving to others, and blessing the lives of other people, that's exactly the size measuring cup that you're going to get back in terms of, re- of the return blessing when others bless your life. Think about what that means in practical terms. It means that God is keeping a record of every good thing that you've ever done. Notice this. Here's the text for that, Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And we need to ask ourselves, is Jesus' statement true or is it not? Whoever, he says, gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now, again, the question we have to ask ourselves is what does that mean when the rubber hits the road? What does that mean in our day and time? It means, again, that God is keeping a record of every good thing that you've ever done, even when you just gave someone a cup of cold water in the name of the disciple. The Lord made a record of that. He's keeping an accurate record of every seed that you have ever sown in his name. Think about that. It's mind-boggling. And you may think it went unnoticed. But God saw it. And his assurance about, and he shall by no means lose his reward, doesn't mean, watch this carefully, it doesn't mean that you're always going to get payback in this world. But here's what it does mean. It does mean that your generous gifts are going to eventually come back to you either here or hereafter. It may be that you're just laying up treasures in heaven. It may be that you see no return on what you've given in this life, but you're laying up treasures in that place where those things will not perish and will not tarnish. You see, God has seen every smile that you've ever given to a hurting person he's observed every time that you went out of your way to lend a helping hand to someone who really needed some help god had his eye on you every time that you gave sacrificially maybe giving money that you needed desperately for yourself or maybe even for your own family but you knew that there was someone who needed that even more at that moment in time some people will tell you that it doesn't do any good and it doesn't make any difference whether you give to help others or not. And I'm asking you, don't listen to those lies. If you spend your time planting good seed, God will move heaven and earth to make sure that you're taken care of. That's Matthew 6, verse 33 in a nutshell. But rest assured, God sees your gifts. The Bible, In the Bible, there's a, a fascinating story over in Acts chapter 10 about a Roman army captain named Cornelius. You know the man, you know the story, you know how the account runs, and you know that the Bible says about him in the opening verses of Acts chapter 10 that he was a good man, he prayed often, and he gave much to the poor. One translation of that, by the way, reads, he was a generous giver. Cornelius and his family became the first recorded Gentile household To hear the good news of the gospel and to be converted after the resurrection of Jesus. That too is important. Why was this man and his family chosen to be the first Gentile recipients of the gospel post-Pentecost? Why was he chosen? Why did God pick him for that kind of honor? For that kind of distinction? Well, the scripture tells us that Cornelius saw an angel in a vision that said to him, Your prayers and your alms. That is what you have given. Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. One version says your prayers and charities have not gone unnoticed by God. Don't let anybody ever convince you that it doesn't make a difference to help other people. The reason Cornelius was chosen to be the first Gentile recipient of the gospel message, scripture indicates, was because of his giving spirit. And in the very same way, when we give, it gets God's attention. It does not go unnoticed. Now, I am not suggesting, and please don't go home misunderstanding, that I'm telling you that you can buy God's favor. We can't. We know better than that. And I'm not saying that you have to pay God to meet your needs. But what I am saying is that God does see your gifts. And he sees the spirit from which those gifts come. He sees your acts of kindness. Every time you help somebody, God sees that. And as with Cornelius, it pleases God when you give to help others. And he'll pour out his providential care in a new way in your life. In your time of need, what you need to do is to put some action behind your prayers. If you're praying for a promotion down at work, don't just say, God, I'm counting on you. God, I know you'll do it. No, plant some seed. Sow some seed while you're waiting. Do more than just pray about it. Why don't you do as Cornelius did and go out and feed the poor or to do something, do something to get some seed in the ground. Your gifts will go up as a memorial before God just as those gifts of Cornelius did. And maybe today you're praying for your your marriage to be restored or maybe for some other important relationship in your life to be improved. Maybe you're hoping to get a new home or maybe you're, you're praying to get out of debt. Sow a special seed that relates to your specific need. Remember, we can't, we can't buy God's goodness. But like Cornelius, we can, we can exercise our faith by our giving to others and to the Lord's cause. And that's a biblical principle. Here again, the Bible principle I've been trying to communicate is when we sow just a little, then we can expect to reap only a little. But when we sow a lot, we can expect to reap a lot. 2 Corinthians 9 And verse six, I hope you'll go home with that thought and that passage in your heart today. Dear friends, if you want to live the best life that God has in store for you, don't hoard what God has given to you. Learn to sow that in faith. And remember when you give, you're preparing the way for God to meet your needs now and in the future. And when you're generous to others, then God will be generous to you. I believe one of the greatest truths in the universe is packed in such a small package and it's found in the Sermon of the Mount and I've already referenced it this morning. But I want to end with a consideration of this passage. It's a statement that Jesus gave about halfway through the Sermon of the Mount. Talking to his disciples he said, but seek you first, you know the passage, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added into you. There's absolute dynamite in that passage. Our priorities, if we will make it such, is to not only seek the kingdom, but to seek that first in our lives. Knowing that if we do that, God will bless our efforts and he'll take care of our material needs. The question for us this morning is, do we really believe that? Do we believe that if we seek first the kingdom, God will take care of us? There are those in this audience this morning who have not yet become a part of that kingdom and you have that opportunity this morning When we sing the song of encouragement, we're encouraging you to do exactly what the Bible says from Pentecost forward, and that's repent of your past sins, be sincerely sorry for what you've done and the way you've lived, and committed and determined to not live that way anymore, to confess Jesus as the Son of God, and to be baptized, to have all of your past sins washed away, and knowing that from that point forward, if you will seek his kingdom first in your life, God will take care of all of your needs, and you will be blessed richly. Won't you come while we stand? while we sing to encourage.